squeeze back into your leather pants, fire up your Harley Davidson, and buy a solo cup full of watery beer. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Hey, my arthritis. <laughs> Pirate? Yeah. I am Omen Say. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tull to Me, your weekly adventure down the brick road that is paved with the good intentions of Ian Anderson. <laughs> this week, we are in the second phase of our Tullcation, bringing you reporting from a live concert that was given in Queens, New York on the... 14th of September. On the 14th of September, 2019, this very year. Our lovely listener, Jesse Winter, was so kind to not only report back to us his findings and record some of the the tracks, which you heard last week, but we also have a handful of actual interviews with fellow Tull Skulls on site. He was on our on-location reporter. We sure do, and he sure was. We had him in a rain slicker. We had a fan blowing on him so that it really looked like the weather was was rough. He was yelling into the mic the entire time. Yelling into the mic. But we do genuinely appreciate his efforts, so thank you very much, Jesse. Kept saying back to you, Dan, all the time. I don't know why. I don't know anybody (laughs) named Dan. So we're going to jump into some of these interviews. And am I correct in, in thinking, Nick, that these are post-concert interviews? Uh, no, some are pre. Okay. Some are pre, some are post, and some are... Tullus Interruptus. Tull- <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. So we're going to start with one that is, a, I believe, a pre. And I'm, I'm going to give you the file names that Jesse labeled them as. This one is called Driving to Tull. We can only imagine what that might mean. Let's have a listen. We're just trying to get some before the thing starts. Okay. My name's Jesse. My name's Maria. Hey, Maria. Nice to meet you. Thanks. So the, to- the podcast is called Talk Told to Me, and I'm just doing field reports. I'm just ga- gathering information. So you remember your first, do you remember how old you were, your first tall song, where you were? Um, my first, uh, I, was, I was young. It was in the 70s. I'm not giving you my That's age. That's okay. I get it. I get it. Um, and it might have been... Yeah, do you know how old you were? You don't? Maybe about 14 or 15. Okay. 74, 75. Driving around in a car or something? Yeah, with some friends who were older. <laughs> and you my, heard it and you remember hearing it? Did you, did, did it, did you I think... I don't remember what it was, though. Did you think, wow, this is different? Or were you struck I thought it by was it? interesting. Interesting. I thought it was interesting. And then do you have your own... I mean, did you? how much of a fan have you been... Not much of one, but my domestic partner who's checking out our seats, who's coming back here, is a very big fan. He wanted he to is. come. Yes, okay, so did. you came along with him. I came along with this him. This one here. Danny, Hi, how are you? This is... I'm doing, I'm doing a, a little field report for a Jethro Tull podcast. Okay. It's called Talk Tull to Me. Okay. So I was just getting some quick, just some quick facts, like how old you were, when, what was the first song, or what was the first thing you heard, or... Okay. Things like that. Would you be open to just giving me some random? Sure. You got the hat on. I love that hat. All right. Um, so your name, your first name? Danny. Danny. And you were how old? Where were you? What was the song? When I first saw him? First contact. It's like my way of putting it. Like the first time you were. Probably 
guest. The first time and only other time I saw him was during the Aqualung tour at Madison Square Garden. I must have been 15, so. You were 15? I think Did so. Did you go by yourself or with with older people or something? No, I went with a friend. He's old. So when you, were, you, could go, you could go to Madison Square Garden, you were 15, and see a show like that. That's so, amazing. I saw Janice back then, too. I saw a lot. The cool. Doors, I so went there been, a lot. you've been following him ever since? And Jethro Tull, I yeah. haven't seen him since. Have you been listening to them and like throughout the 70s or not so much, a little bit? Yes and okay. then no. I remember being in England in 72 before going to the Olympics and buying Thick as a Brick on Carnaby Street. That's cool. All right, thank you so much, Danny. Thanks, no guys. Problem. Have fun. All right, that's our first snippet from the the Tulkeology dig that Jesse went on. Pretty cool, and also I feel like pretty standard fare for Tull fans. Yeah, definitely solidly in the boomer generation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Got into Jethro Tull at what seems to me like a very young age. Like it's... But it, which is, it's silly because I was literally that age when I first heard Jethro Tull myself. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's some part of me that's imagining a 15 year old listening to this music and thinking like, oh, it, it, isn't it a bit much? <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny, the man is obviously a little bit older. Could be. Because he, when he, he said he was about 15 and he heard Aqualung. Which was 71. But didn't Marie say that she heard her first album when she was about 15 in 1972 or 1973? 74 or 5, she said. Okay, so a little bit a little bit younger. Which is War Child and Minstrel. Well, those are the ones that came out. Who knows what she actually heard? Yeah, true. And she said she hasn't been so diehard a fan. Like, she, she's there, she was there with Danny. Right. You know, she kind of got pulled along. I, I just, I loved that she called him my domestic partner. I know. It's, it's so cute. It's kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, not to, not to like make broad categories about Tull's listenership, but I think we can, with, with relative safety, say it, it tends to fall more on the, on the male side of things. I feel like it. Yeah. There tend to be more male Jethro Tull fans. Maybe I'm completely wrong. We have we have heard from female fans, and obviously there are lots of female Jethro Tull fans, but it was not surprising to me, let's say, that Marie was joining her her domestic partner, Danny, who was more of a Tull fan. Mm. Yeah, we, we have... I can see some, some specs on Spotify, and we do have female fans listening to the podcast but not as many as the male fans we have more male know. identified fans listening to the podcast certainly yes yeah so i just am like curious about danny's experience because he said that the last time he had seen jethro toll live was at madison square garden on the aqualung tour right oh my and yeah. he hasn't seen them live since and now he's seeing them with told with a totally different lineup ian anderson is 45 years older he danny himself is 45 years older wow what an amazing thing yeah it would have been really interesting and it certainly sounds like he wasn't embedded in tull throughout the years so i bet it was a really good concert for him oh i bet it was really great to see that well i hope they had a great time and i hope that their domestic partnership lasts for many years to come 
uh, at least a Tull's age, Oof. if not further. You know, that's that's better than most of us can hope for. Fair enough. Nick, what do we uh, what have we got next on the docket? Let's go to Andre, guy on his own, next to us. Okay, your name's Andre. Yes. And what, do you remember your first contact? How old you were? What song or whatever? Yes, I was like 22, 21, and my first album was uh, This Was. And where were you? Where I was in Rio de Janeiro. I'm from Brazil. In Brazil. Whoa. That's pretty cool. How would you have picked that? You think you just? How I used to play in a band and the guitar player of my band. You have to listen to this, it's amazing. It was amazing, all the, 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 the flutes with guitar, it's really so you went interesting. See, so you went and you got that album and that was your first album. Yeah. Perfect. Um, have you been to a show before? No, first Never. time. Okay, I think that's great. Wow, Nick. Yeah. Such a cool reminder uh, just of the international reach of Jethro Tull. So if we're to assume that this guy was exposed to This Was when he was 21, right when This Was came out, he's the same age as Ian Anderson. He's a little bit older. Right. If he got the album right when it came out. Of course, we don't know. We don't know if he did or not. Yeah. But either way, I mean, you know, I... We think about we think about Jethro Tull in terms of the UK charts, in terms of the US charts, mm. touring in the US, touring in Europe. But you know, here's a band in Rio de Janeiro being influenced yeah. by Mick Abraham's guitar work. Yeah. How amazing. Very, very cool. And who knows why this dude is over in the States right now. Maybe he lives here now. Maybe he came for the concert. And this is his first concert. His first Jethro Tull concert. I'm so excited for him. That's really cool. It's really, really cool to... I do wish I knew his ballpark age. At least know if this was was new to him. Or was new at the time. You know, it, it would be kind of nice to put an age because that's the thing with Tull is there are so many generations that span over that stretch of period that Tull's been working. But I think that's sort of the brilliant part of it is that in a way it doesn't matter because sure that album is a record of that moment in the life history, the lifespan, the evolution of Tull. Mm -hmm. And that was inspiring for him in the same way that some of the later stuff was inspiring for us when we heard it when we were teenagers. Yeah, I mean, that in another world, that could have been me saying the same thing about War Child. Absolutely. And the random listener would think, oh, this guy must have been born or must have been 21 in 74 because that's when War Child came out. They do often, I have heard of Weedsport often referred to as the Rio de Janeiro of central New York. It is festive. <laughs> Everybody's topless all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm realizing, Nick, is as excited as I was to hear the songs live, the excitement that I'm feeling hearing these other Tall fans. Because I, I feel like I imagine a certain stereotype of Tall fans, and it's just so cool to hear real individuals sharing the passion for the same thing that we're passionate about. It's so exciting. Right. I always felt... Like, you and I were the outliers at these shows when we went. And the past middle-aged, balding biker dudes was the, like, the main clientele. Right. 
At least that's what I remember seeing when we went to shows. Right. And maybe it was just that show. Sure. Fair enough. Who knows? It was the biker show. It was the biker tour. <laughs> but yeah. it's cool. It's cool to, to remember just how much diversity there is within the tall listenership. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think some of that is because they've been around for 50 years. And some of that is because of the the type of music that they play. Yeah. So, Nick, what do we have next? Let's go to Couple Introduced Because of Tull. <gasps> A magical love story. That's right. Let's hear what they have to say. Okay, so just like, uh, you don't have to tell me what year you were born, but like, how old were you? What was your first contact with Tull? that you remember? Uh, I was about, let's see, 17 years old and I was living in the Caribbean. Do you, right. want to, you have a name you could give me? Just so I have a name to put it with. Hannibal. Hannibal, right. living in the Caribbean, 17 years old. Right. Remember the song? Uh, Aqualon. And what did you think or feel or what, what happened? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was unique. Um, and. I liked it because I liked how he sort of melded a classical and a rock and roll, but it was like a new interpretation. Yeah. So it was sort of at the same time when Yes was coming out and Emerson Lake and Palmer yeah. was yeah, around yeah. that time. But it was a little bit different. It wasn't so classical. It was a little bit kind of melodious rock and roll. So it was really cool. Did you was follow different. him ever since? Not, Not that really. much. No, no. So you haven't I was seen a fan. So no, I haven't seen him in. I think this might be the first time I'm actually seeing him in all these years, actually. There you go. Yeah. Although I have a lot of his albums. You do? You got the vinyls? Yes, I have some of the original wow. vinyls I, I bought back in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, cool. Have you ever seen Jethro Tull before live? No, that was my first time. All right. So. And, you're, and you're Hannibal's friend, so. I'm Hannibal's wife. You're Hannibal's wife? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you've listened to it before. Because yeah, that's of, how. Did you get introduced from Hannibal? No, I. You had your own. Yeah, I had my own Jethro thing going, but we, actually, my uncle introduced us because we both like Jethro. Twenty-three years ago today, that's how we met. Around Jethro, Jethro Tull. Around Jethro Tull. Because right. of your uncle, who's here with you. Exactly. Right. Introduced you guys because you both like Jethro Tull, so you guys should know each other. Right. Yes. Amazing story. Twenty-three so, years right? ago 23 today. Twenty-three years ago to this day. Today, about. A little, we started talking on the phone about half an hour from now. In the evening. In the evening. So yeah. what was your first whole song? Eight hours later, there was two on the phone. <laughs> and it, this is such a great night for you guys. I know, it's incredible. We like to smoke cigarettes. Probably not. Probably not. I no. didn't see any signs. Give it a shot. See what they do. I don't want to get arrested and get kicked out of town. Usually so, in the past, uh, people like smoke over there in the corner by the wall. Over there. That's where usually people yeah. smoke. That's the smoking corner. I'd totally so, forego if I were you. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, what was your first Toll song, or how old were you when you first heard that? First contact. Do you remember? Wow. Uh, honestly, I don't remember what age I was. Um, but Batman, obviously, Aqualong was the first song. My first. <laughs> Batman, Batman, 1976. How old were you? I'm 52 now. You'd have to do the math. I can't go that far. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Well, I'm 53, so but I can't say that it was I in 1976 okay. because all right, it wasn't. So you have the first song. Do you remember? It was Aqualon. Oh, it was Aqualon. Okay, it was, you, guys. Like, you guys. Thank so you so. And like, your name is uh, Moira. Moira. Yes. So talk tall to me. Check out this podcast. I will check it out. It's yeah. hilarious. All right. Cool. Talk thank tall you. to me. It's on everything. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you. Have fun tonight. Nick. Yeah. What What an amazing story. <laughs> It's a great that's what a what a lovely tale. 
Hannibal and Moira. Hannibal and Moira. 52 and 53, respectively. Hannibal was from the Caribbean. I was living in the Caribbean. Living in the Caribbean, sure. Aqualung was both their, their first first contact. This is both of their first concert seeing seeing Tull. Oh, that's so cool. And the fact that it was 53, uh, 23 years to the day that they met Got and started talking about it. introduced by their uncle, who is also there at that concert. I know, how cool. Did you, did you hear the bit about, he said, you know, about half an hour from now, we started talking on the phone. And then, you yeah. hear, and then you hear the uncle interjects. He's like, yeah, and eight hours later, you were still talking on the phone. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's so amazing. That's so sweet. You know, so Nick, as like beautiful and unique to be cherished as their relationship obviously is, there are certain things mm. that they talk about that, are, that approach like almost like a universal experience for, for Tull fans, I feel like. Them saying that, you know, the first song that they listened to was, was Aqualung. I mean, I'm uh-huh. pretty sure that the first song I ever listened to from Jethro Tull was Aqualung. I, and I think, that, I think that for a lot of people, that's how they heard it for the first time, or at least the Aqualung yeah. album. That's yeah. sort of the gateway tull, if you will. Yeah, something off of Aqualung, whether it's Aqualung or Locomotive Breath, right, would right. be my first two guesses. But also the other thing is the experience of being introduced to someone because they also like Jethro Tull. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like every single Tull fan can probably relate to that. Like with that moment when someone's like, oh, oh, you know who you should talk to? Don't talk to me about this. Talk to this other guy. <laughs> I know who who you can talk tall to. And this was in 1996. Right. That they were introduced. Wow, that was some very fast math. No, I did it while I was listening. (laughs) You know, Nick, do you know, would you like to know a fun fact? Yeah, please. I actually went on a couple of dates with a girl in college because... Somebody was like, oh, you like Jethro Tull? You should talk to this person. She likes Jethro Tull. Yeah. This could have been... You could have been a, another Hannibal and Moira situation. Well, unfortunately not. She had a um, she had an unfortunate uh, medical condition. You see, she was uh, she was born without a heart. I can see how that would be an issue. No, but but we did talk about Jethro Tull. She actually gave me a Jethro Tull T-shirt. <laughs> I'm glad that ended with a Jethro Tull T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I, I mean. My heart is just so full of delight for this couple uh-huh. and for the spirit of Tull that connects us all. I feel giddy, Nick. This is such a fun experience. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. That was a, that was a very lovely story. I just want to throw in there, of course, I think it was the uncle saying, can we smoke in here? I, I want to smoke. Where can we smoke? Yeah. I, I love that, that whole exchange of figuring yeah. out. And, and I, f- I have a feeling that's a lot of the older generation of tall listeners is... Smokers. Smokers, to be honest. Yeah. And I also want to throw a huge thanks to Jesse in the middle of this one because he praised the hell out of us at the end of that clip. And I'm going to make that my ringtone now because <laughs> it, it was so... <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you for... Preaching our, the word, our word. Thank you for talking tall about us talking tall to me, to you. That. What do we have next, Nick? Let's go to songs from the wood guy. (laughs) This, this could be really good. I'm very excited. I love the wood guy. I love the, (laughs) oh, and it's just him singing. It's a wood guy singing. Songs from the wood guy. Yep. (laughs) 
I like to chop my wood. This is my wood. Wood. Well, if I know something Do you about know anything them? about Jethro Tull, yeah. about the band? What was your first song? How old were you? First contact. When I list the first one, I might be like uh, 17, 18 years old. Remember the song? I think it was Songs from the Wood. I think so. Do you know what year that was? And it, the probably, album came out in 77. Yeah, probably was 78. Perfect. So it was Something new. Something like, yeah. Do you know, and that's really cool. And What's then after, uh, Gucci. Where were you? I was in Brazil at that time. So wow. few people yeah, so you heard on the knew radio about or something? I met this guy who opened the first record store in my hometown with imports. So when he opened the first day, I was there, so I purchased the album. It's some it's other stuff album. like Frank Zappa, Jimmy Hendrix, because we couldn't find them. You know? So cool. Jesse, do you know all of the release dates off the top of your head? I know. I know. That's the second one that you're like, oh, Songs from the Wood. Yeah, that was 78. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. I have a great big Excel sheet that tells me all of the dates. I have a great big vacuum in my mind where numbers live in other people's heads. <laughs> you have a great big nerd of a best friend who has an Excel that's sheet right. that you can that's ask. Right. <laughs> I'll have my nerds contact your nerds. Yep. So another more more evidence of, of Jethro Tull's international presence how cool yeah i mean another brazil more brazil just like i i just want to like taste again the scene that gucci painted for us the first record store that had imports in his hometown Mm -hmm. he was there the day it opened to buy songs from the wood or at least he found it that day i mean i don't know he he was there for that reason (laughs) you think no, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he had heard st- enough on the radio that he knew he wanted to pick up Tull. Or maybe he was just browsing. I mean, I mean, what an, what an event, you know, because this is all pre-internet. Yeah. Imagine a world in which, you know, you had only ever heard music from Weedsport and upstate New York. And then suddenly, I know, <laughs> I know don't imagine it too long or you'll have nightmares. <laughs> but then suddenly record literal records from other parts of the world open open up to you yeah wow it's just mind-blowing yeah it's we are hashtag blessed that we grew up in central new york you know as there's never been a point of stuff being terribly out of our reach and partly that's because we grew up in upstate new york in the 90s and early 2000s and and not the oh sure early 1800s Gucci did not live in Brazil in the early 1800s. We don't know his age, Nick. That's a big assumption. That's a big Fair assumption. enough. Okay, I, I apologize, Gucci. Gucci may be ageless. Did not mean to offend or assume. But no, it's true. It's true. We we grew up in an age of, of accessibility. I mean, I remember, I think I probably bought my first Jethro Tull CD at Barnes & Noble at the mall. You know, and I had to drive an hour to do it. That was before everything was available on the internet. We saw the internet happen. I wish I could unsee that. Oh, God. But then we wouldn't have podcasts, and then we wouldn't be talking tall to you right now. That's it. So it's it was worth it. I just want to point out that Gucci mentioned Frank Zappa, mm-hmm. and that's a comparison. That's like something that I think we'll be talking tall to you about more later, is the comparisons that are often drawn between Jethro Tull and Frank Zappa and the work of Frank Zappa. Yeah, once we get into... 
the more tall, the more quintessential tall sound, I think. Yeah, they were definitely both cut from the same frog cloth. The same leotard. The same jazz scissors. What do we have next? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go next for... How do, we, how do we top Gucci? Guy at end, happy tall fan. Okay, what a... Is that our last uh, interview? No, we've got one more after this. Okay, okay. Yeah. Happy ending guy. Here we go. Ooh, yeah. Just like, uh, how old were you? Like your first contact? I wasn't born. I wasn't born. First contact with Tull. <laughs> what was your... Oh my God. Give me, give 19... I was in 1988 or... I was in 1988. I went to Newport, Rhode Island and I met some chick who was so into Tull. And I was trying to get in her pants, right? And I couldn't do it. But I, so I had to like learn who Toll was. And I'm like, okay, like, who's Toll? And I put these headphones on. And then suddenly I didn't want to party anymore. I just wanted to listen to Jethro Toll. And I was like, holy f- These guys are awesome. And I brought them home to my best friend, Pete, yep. who was just like, yeah. these guys oh, are yep. awesome. And then oh. we started smoking pot and just like, all we listened to was Toll for weeks. How old were you? Oh, 19? interpretation it's very funny uh, but they're literally going to do 200 and something songs damn. one at a time one a week all right, wow. one, one more quick sound bite all right if you're all still right. recording if you're, are you just this thing yeah, on 19. is this thing what's on your, what's your favorite song is this thing on yeah, yeah what's your favorite song i thought i thought it was super classy that they played the, the concert that they did they thanked all the people over the years that they did and at the end they thanked the they thank the crew, man. Yeah. They thank the crew. I was like nobody thanks the crew. Nobody knows what the hell they do. Right. He was like, these people make it happen. It was, I thought that was really classy. All right, so what's your favorite song? Oh, my God, for sure. Uh, oh, my God, I can't even Skating say. Away? What did I sing the other Skating night? Away. Skating Away. Bungle in the Jungle, oh, Bungle, man. yep. All right, what's your first name? Kit. K-I-T. Peter. Peter. Brian. Brian. Brian you He's the good... silent one. You're the silent yeah. one? All right, yeah. thanks, He's you guys. He's the sound guy. Thank Have you, night. guys. <laughs> Have a good night. Wow. Kit, Peter, and Brian. Oh, gentlemen, I applaud your, your vivaciousness. I salute you. <laughs> I hope you had some Gatorade on your bedside in the morning. Oh, God. Hydrate, guys. Hydrate. Hydrate. But wow. I mean, yeah. the power of music, Nick. I just... I, sure. That quote, that's the best testimonial for anything I've ever heard. Suddenly, I didn't want to party anymore. All I wanted to do was listen to Jethro Tull. Put that on the back of your next album. Ian Anderson's sobriety went through his flute, onto the record, into the CD, <laughs> through the earbuds of the nice young woman that Kit was trying to get intimate with, and lodged straight in his lizard brain and was like, Don't drink lager and smoke weed. Just listen to these fun riffs. This is Ian Anderson, and I haven't been drunk since 1871. He tells a story like Tull is smallpox. Yeah. He contracted it from this girl. Yeah. He brought it back to his buddy. Yeah. It was a mini little black plague in that community. 
Yeah. But you know, this is what I love about Jethro Tull is that the way that you get into music that you really love is not going on to Spotify or going on to YouTube and like clicking around. I mean, sometimes I guess, but like, I think the real passion and the real personal connection with a lot of this music and especially with Tull is someone grabs you and is like, you have to listen to this. You have to listen to this now. And you're like, okay, okay. And then you're like, oh my God, why haven't I heard this before? I feel like it's harder to do that now with such saturation in the market. Yeah. You know what I would love, especially in New York, is for someone to be like, you have to listen to this thing. And then like the thing that they want me to listen to is is just silence. And, and we just cut to you with a single tear rolling down I, your cheek. I would weep. I would weep. But yeah, no, I mean, I mean, what a what a tall saga. What a prog rock yeah. adventure this gentleman went on with and uh, his friends have been dragged along with him with. Yeah, clearly a war child fan because they were talking about skating away oh, and bungle. Yeah, great songs, too. I mean, and so, yeah. so specific. Yeah, I love that he pointed out and I loved how emotionally got about Ian thanking the crew. Yeah. Because that is important. That's nice. And it is classy. I don't remember him doing it in the concerts that we did. I think there's been a bit of humility. Took a while to get in there, but I think he's, Ian's kind of becoming a little more humble. Or or at least humidity. A little humidity. And his agent is telling him to be humble. <laughs> I would love to echo Ian Anderson and just, you know, let's remember here that every time that we get to hear this great music, there are so many people behind it making it happen for the live concerts, for the recordings. Yeah. It's a lot of a lot of parts that have to come together for an aging Scottish gentleman to play the flute sassily for a venue of Queen's people. Yeah, I would love to know their oldest roadie, their oldest crew person, and see how they they stack up. I saw something mentioned about that at one point. They had a particular driver who was with them for a very long stretch of time. Really? Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll have to circle back to that at a later date. I just wanted to address Kit's tone when he said to Jesse, you do a podcast about Toe? Yeah. He was very, <laughs> very incredulous, very derisive. Oh, I don't know that he was derisive. I think he was maybe but I understand. overwhelmed with the audacity of the, of the statement that had been made. Okay, fair enough. I'll take that. He was awed. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, sure. So we are going to talk Tull to you about one more interview so this interview is actually an interview that jesse did with one of the folks who went to the concert with him and just a little story behind that so the party that jesse went with jesse's 43 years old he says he's been to approximately 20 tall concerts wow then his three party members were sean patch and michael Sean's 53, Patch is 27, Michael's 38. This is their first concert for all three of them. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Jesse was gifted those four tickets on the day before the show, and Sean called Jesse to ask if he was going to it because he remembered that Jesse was a Tull fan and he thought it was funny. (laughs) So Jesse said, hey, I've got these tickets. You want to come along? Sean pulled in Patch and Michael. So these gentlemen are, are not necessarily Tull fans before the concert is that is that what i'm hearing i'm not seeing whether it was whether they had never heard of tall or not okay 
but they certainly hadn't been to a show before. Okay, this so... is their first Jethro Tull show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This particular one is a rant from Sean, and there will be a fair amount of beeping in this one. It's called Sean Rant Discretion. Just a little warning to you guys. This next one is loaded with expletives. So many so, I just, I couldn't get them out and maintain the flow of the conversation or what little there is. So if you got little ones in the room and you don't want them to hear it or you don't want your grandma to hear it, send them out for about six, seven minutes or just put in headphones. Give me the review. No, I, it, it, yeah. Give me your review. <laughs> I can tell you right now, it's like, listen, you fucking play the fucking music. I don't give a shit about your 50-year bullshit. I don't give a shit about your document. Your, your documenting this shit. Just get wrapped up in it. The set is awful. The, the lighting is awful. I know they're on a budget, but have some Persian rugs and oversized lamp and a little step ladder that he can, a little staircase he can just run up and down and be sexy. It's fun. It's like, it's just, it's so, it's so living in the past. It's like saying we're here now because we used to have a past. It's like, no, and I never want to see videos of what you used to look like. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's just wrong. Is this straight from the heart? Yeah, and don't break up the rhythm of it. Like, just find the beat. It's like, we don't want to break up a fucking rock song, song, uh, concert to then tell me what you used to do 50 years ago with that Black Sabbath used to whatever. No, you fucking roll with this shit and then do the next song and wind it and, and do the Persian rugs and start getting chandelier you swing off. It's not that expensive. I, I could do this so much better. And that, we don't need to see that. We see these people here. I don't need to see them on the stage. It's so bad. I mean, I'm a, I want to hear, you know, it's not right now the nose, and I want to hear, you know, what we know. But it's like when you make it this sappy and retro, and the, the graphics when it was sort of like nobody cares about that MTV graphic thing they were doing when the song kind of got cool. You should adorn this and, and just make it sexy and fun and, and have like a little, a little character to it. It feels like it's just on tour. And then, to, and then to sell it like we used to be these people and to literally show footage of what they used to look like is absolutely unacceptable. That is not what we're here to see. We're here to see the moment. Oh, great. Right. Great. I'm with you 100%, buddy. Oh, great. I'm going to live in the past. And even old I, Patch, I the young buck goes, is that him now with the bald guy? He's like, yeah. I guess so. I don't know. I couldn't tell what's going on. Let me just say this, though. When they really play the music, it starts to really work. It's right. fine. But it should only be about the music. It shouldn't be about the nostalgia. I don't give a shit about what you did. It's like, I'm going to get lost in the music. And, 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 and like, No. It's like, it's so... For the podcast. I am, I am. Yeah. It's getting all this. It's going to go on the podcast. The way a rock band that's 50 years old should present themselves. Isn't it cool we're still alive? Why don't you just say that? And then move on. It's like, it's insulting for us to have to sit through. We're here to see fucking rock and roll. I'm not here to see nostalgia or what something used to be or why you're still alive. It's like, give me a goddamn show now. They're really good musicians. Give me a, how much does it cost to get a smoke machine? Three of them? $4,000. I can blow this shit out of control. He can come out of the darkness with a chandelier. I saw, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? The Marilyn Manson comes to swing in a fucking chandelier and throws it in the crowd. Yes! Like, that's music. Theater. That's fucking fucking old theater. And this guy could do that. A little staircase going up and down. The smoke is bellowing and he's still in the fucking outfits. Yeah. I don't need somebody <laughs> telling me. And, and by the way, if you're going to show people that are that old, put them in black and white at least. Jesus. Uh, because it's 
so like it's what it is. It's like it almost feels like I. Can and also, eat. why do they need a 15 minute break? Because I do. Yeah. People need to piss. Listen, I, I need to piss. Listen, I love the English banter. I love all that stuff. But what a naked stage! How much would it cost me to make this amazing? Ten thousand bucks, I could blow this out of the. Water. I want to know who you're talking about with the Persian rug hanging from. A, you, got, you had to hang. I'm up. going pee. Listen, I'm going pee. Listen, get this out of your system, I'm and then done. let's just see. We're gonna right, hit those. Right, right. Okay. You you had to hang those lights anyway. You could have hanged a big chandelier that was designed that he could swing on. Now. Well, Ian Anderson, meet your new set designer, Sean. That was a roller coaster. That was a roller coaster. So yeah, Sean was very, had very strong opinions. I thought I had strong opinions. You do have strong opinions. But, but Sean has I pale in comparison to, opinions. Yeah. His opinions are well steeped to make a hearty brew. It is. It is a, a bitter, bitter ale. And you know what? I here's I'm going to say something that you might find controversial, Nick. I see where he's coming from. Now, obviously, we we weren't at the concert. We don't know exactly all that they were reacting to. But I understand how if you weren't a big, tall fan and you went to a concert and the concert was as this one seems to be focused on sort of the history and a lot of the old band members. I can see how you could find that a little bit annoying or, or off putting. You know where, and you, yeah, and you want them to just rock. I mean, the flip side is that every time that he allowed himself to speak about the music, he was like, "They, they're great. They're great musicians." Yeah. All he wanted was some Persian rugs, some fog, and Ian to swing in on a chandelier. Is that too much to ask, Nick? And he, I mean, he just wanted him to run up and down a staircase too. But <laughs> I just, I want it, Sean. I, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but he's not running up and down anything, <laughs> let alone swinging in on a staircase. Oh my goodness. To go back to your taking his side for a second. You know, I do kind of see his point. Yeah. And it made me think, how do the other, the new band members of Jethro Tull feel with everyone honoring all of the old timers? Must be a bit awkward, I would imagine. But on the other hand, they're the ones playing on that stage and they're the ones collecting the paycheck at the end of the day. I guess. But, I mean, do you get into rock and roll? Do you get into being a guitarist or a drummer for Jethro Tull just to get a paycheck? No, I mean, I think the other part of it is that, you know, like when you when you Google a lot of these band members, it literally is like, this person is a musician mainly known for playing with Jethro Tull. Oh, sure. Yeah. That is the thing that's, that is supercharging their fame, if you want to call it that, their status in the music world. They're also, you know, for whatever design critiques we just heard, which I'm, I'm sure were grounded in validity, can we please get some Persian rugs up in there? You know, it is a, it, I feel like it is a, a musician's rock band. Yeah. I'm not saying that Keith Richards isn't a great musician, but I feel like... Jethro Tull is focused on musicianship and composition and like the Rolling Stones are focused on blowing your face off with rock and roll. And it's yeah. slightly different. It's, I don't know if it's a fair comparison. No, I get it though. Rolling Stones is, is more cookie cutter and Tull is more cerebral, I suppose. I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but I, I know you. I, I know would. you. <laughs> and I did, Omo. All right. You're right. We can't we can't unsay what's been said, can we? I don't know how to delete on this thing. 
The good ship, talk tell to me, only goes in forward. We cannot find the reverse. <laughs> just hope that we have enough room to turn around. <laughs> to one of those 80-point turns. Yeah. But in defense of the tall tour, it's a historical band at this point. Yeah. It is yeah. 50 years is something to be celebrated. They have every right to acknowledge the past. Certainly, but I think that what I got from Sean was that he felt that it was being presented as if it was a museum piece. And I could imagine mm. I could imagine being annoyed by that even if I was interested in the history which I am. I have a feeling that of all concerts for Sean to make his first exposure to Tull this tour was not the one. Right. I mean, I rem remember when you and I saw it, you know, about 15, 15, 17 years ago. At the end, they filled up all these huge, massive, you know, 10-foot circumference balloons balloons, and, and shoved them out into yeah. the audience. And they had projections projecting onto those balloons. The audience, mm -hmm. you know, was bouncing up and up and down. In the, I mean, it was – there was a bit of that showmanship, a bit of that drama and, and theatricality. That sounds like maybe it's missing currently. And, yeah. you know, and, and I, who knows, who knows all the decisions that go into the set? I mean, maybe they're just, maybe it makes sense for them to just do a really lean tour. Or maybe there's a lot of stuff that, that wasn't visibly on stage that goes into it. Who knows? To me, this tour feels like a reward to the fans who have stuck with them this long, who've been to multiple concerts. Even if Sean went to a concert that he thoroughly enjoyed, would he go to another one? A tall concert, you mean? You know, he wasn't going to this one until he got a free ticket. Sure. So this, as crass as it is to say, this concert was not for Sean. Perhaps not. It does seem like it's more designed for the lifelong fans, which is interesting, which is an interesting... I mean, if that's the case, that's interesting. And, you know... I wonder what the good strategy is. Yeah. I did find it funny that that in Sean's critique, he inadvertently named one of their songs. He was like, they're just living in the past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it felt like... I thought that was a very it ironic... It felt like that was on purpose. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was or not. But how fascinating. I mean, just in this one concert... We have such a provocative usage of time that for some people really worked and brought them back to happy moments in their past and, you know, fondly reminded them of important life events and connected their present to their past. And for some people, it felt like an alienating museum kind of reference to the past. What an amazing thing that elicits such strong reactions. I mean, I, I would rather put on a show that somebody had a very frustrated response to than put on a show and have someone come out of it and go, meh. Yeah, I guess. I mean, art is to move. If it doesn't, if it doesn't polarize, it snolarizes. Nope. That was Andy Warhol, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, after a rough night. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing. I don't know which one it was, but I'm what made that worth listening to the whole rant was one of the guys at the end just just getting fed up and going, I'm going pee. I'm going pee. 
That's me. That was me. That's me all the way. Um, it's Nick? It's good. good. Omen? I'm going pee. Thus ends our Jesse Winter concert special. Come on back next week for what, Omen? Next week, we are diving into the deep end off the tallest diving board. The tallest? Straight into the tallest. Oh, the tallest diving board. Straight into the choppy, fragrant, and chilly waters that is one of the biggest rock albums in history with the title track, Aqualung. Aqualung. Aqualung, Aqualung's Aqualung. Say it one more time. Aqualung. Aqualung. Super great big thank you to Jesse again for doing that for us. He didn't have to, and it was awesome. And a big thanks to Marie, to Danny, to Andre. To Gucci. To Gucci, to Hannibal, to Moira, the country of Brazil. Yeah. The gentleman who got introduced to Jethro Tull while he was trying to sow his wild oats and to those three gentlemen at the end and to their opinions. And if you're in the market for a professional photographer in the New York City area, hit up Jesse Winter. J-E-S-S-E-W-I-N-T-E-R.com. He's a pretty talented guy. Not just a Tull fan, but a pretty talented photographer. So we are going to head out on one final track that Jesse recorded, and it is their version, their live version of Farm on the Freeway. Such a wonderful song. One of my favorites from that time period. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good set of albums. But until next week, until the start of our Aqualung adventure, Mm -hmm. I am Nick McGill. I am Omen Sade. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tall to Me.
chip factory on the east. And a big road for Steamville and I'm a hot machine pouring snakes in the lane out of the very Talk tell to me is a proud hey, member. Hey, hey, can I can I smoke? Can I smoke over here? Um, so uh, can I? Can we? Uh, is this? I don't want to get thrown out. I don't want to get thrown out of the podcast. It's a dry barn filled with hay, so I don't think. Let it's me. Ter- um, I'm gonna just try over in that corner. Right over in that corner. Yeah, I want to be back after one cigarette. Yeah, keep an okay. eye out for the cops. But that's where the gasoline cans are kept. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna light up. Okay. Hold this. Uh, hold this stick of dynamite for me. I'll be okay. right back. Uh, okay. I'll be back. Oh yeah, that hits the spot. 